section twenty eight of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume one chapter twenty eight il y en a peu qui gagne à être approfondis la bruyere what a sweet woman your sister is said miss bell who at present beheld every object connected with the major tinged with love's proper hue i am very glad you like her replied the delighted lover and i flatter myself the longer you know her the more you will be pleased with her oh i have no doubt of that said the lady you will find her always the same continued the major that is delightful said miss bell and what a charming family she has it is really quite a treat to see them i assure you i don't know when i have passed so pleasant a day i trust you will pass many such returned the major brightening still more i flatter myself my sister and you will be sisters indeed while this colloquy was carrying on betwixt the lovers miss st clair tried to bring her cousin anne back to the subject of their morning's conversation but anne seemed either afraid or ashamed of having said so much and rather shunned any renewal of the subject gertrude did not think the worse of her upon that account but rather gave her credit for that delicacy of mind which made her shrink from making a confidant of one who although a relation was in fact almost a stranger to her it would be folly in me my dear cousin said she to make a parade of offering to assist you at present in any way i am neither old nor wise enough to advise and i am quite as poor and as powerless as you can possibly be but if ever the time should come when i have either wisdom or power both i can never hope to have together said she with a smile promise that you will then riddle me right and tell me why poverty is the greatest misfortune in the world they were here interrupted by a band of young blacks who having descried them from the window had rushed out to meet them all breathless with haste to hear where they had been and to proclaim that bob and davy were arrived and upon advancing a little farther bob and davy presented themselves in propriis personis bob and davy were two tall good-looking youths dressed in all the extremes of the reigning fashions small waists brush heads stiff collars iron heels and switches like many other youths they were decidedly of opinion that dress makes the man and want of it the fellow and that the rest was mere leather and prunella perhaps after all that is a species of humility rather to be admired in those who feeling themselves destitute of mental qualifications trust to the abilities of their tailor and hairdresser for gaining them the goodwill of the world and who can tell whether there may not be more true lowliness of mind in a mop-head and high-heeled boots than has been lodged in many a pilgrim's scalloped hat and sandaled shoon be that as it may it was evident that bob and davy rested their claims to distinction solely on the outward man and that the sentiment of henry v was by no means theirs it yearns me not that men my garments wear such outward things dwell not in my desire etc introduced to their cousin and the first ceremonials over bob and davy each began to play his part bob being a military man talked of parades reviews mess dinners and regulation epaulettes 
while davy the writer's apprentice was loud upon edinburgh bells playhouse rows assembly rooms and new quadrilles we are to be reviewed on the twenty seventh said bob addressing his cousin gunstown is only about thirty miles from this i hope you will do us the honour to come and look at us we shall give a ball and supper after it my mother and the girls will of course be there bell you will be at our turnout won't you i wonder how you can ask such a question bob of a person in my situation said miss bell with dignity what a famous deal of fun we had in edinburgh last winter said davy i was very often at three balls in a night you dance quadrilles of course country dances are quite exploded now in edinburgh they call them kitchen dances there there's nothing goes down now but waltzes and quadrilles by the by i dare say we could make out a quadrille here bell do you dance quadrilles i never heard of a person in my situation dancing replied miss bell with an air of contempt ay that's always the way whenever you misses get husbands you grow so confoundedly stupid but i shall not suffer my wife to give herself such airs i can tell you i shall make a point of her dancing every night the brothers had come on purpose to be present at the celebration of the nuptials which they merely thought of as bells going off a consummation to be devoutly wished for in a family of eleven and an event indissolubly united in their minds with new coats white gloves wedding favours bridesmaids capital dinners jovial suppers dances flirtations and famous fun such being bob and davy it may be inferred they were no great acquisitions to the family party though they certainly were additions to it under the mistaken idea of being too genteel to do anything for themselves there was a constant ringing of bells and calling for this that and t'other and if the hapless footboy could have cut himself into a thousand pieces and endowed each particular piece with locomotive powers all would scarcely have sufficed to answer the demands made upon him then without any bad temper there was a constant jangling and jarring from mere vacancy of mind and want of proper pursuit they were all warmly attached to each other in a disagreeable way and upon the strength of that attachment thought they might dispense with all the ordinary rules of politeness and contradict and dispute with each other upon the most trifling occasion in short it was not a pleasant dwelling-place there was neither the peace and tranquillity which the true spirit of christianity diffuses amongst its votaries nor the refined courtesies which spring from cultivated minds and elegant habits and indeed was an exception but she was so quiet and pensive that she was completely sunk in the commotion that prevailed miss st clair suffered particularly from the assiduities of the two beaux being both bent on engaging her in a flirtation but their attentions were received with so much coldness at times even amounting to hauteur that at length they discovered that their old flames cecy swan and clemmy dow were much prettier girls and to cecy swan and clemmy dow they accordingly betook themselves heartily tired of bellevue and its inhabitants gertrude longed impatiently for the marriage day that she might return to rossville she felt anxious too about her mother and the thoughts of the mystery in which she was involved disquieted her and rendered her situation doubly irksome 
unconsciously she cherished the desire of penetrating that dread secret although with the natural thoughtlessness and gaiety of youth her mind was often diverted from the contemplation of it yet there were times when it gained an almost overwhelming ascendancy over her and she thought she could easier have endured any known evil than have committed herself to this unknown fear in colonel delmore's company indeed every painful idea was suspended and she gave herself up to the charms of his brilliant conversation and varied powers of pleasing with a complete forgetfulness of everything save the consciousness of loving and being beloved while at the same time with all the delusion of passion she yet closed her eyes against the light of conviction his visits became so frequent and so long not to call forth some animadversion in the family who had been led by lord rossville to look upon her as the affianced bride of the elder brother but all were too busy with the substantials of marriage to have much time to bestow on the empty speculations of love mr black had settlements to read over and sign etc mrs black had the innumerable departments of mother and housekeeper to fill duties which are always troubled tenfold upon such momentous occasions all the powers of bob and davy's minds were exerted to the decoration of their persons but all the emanations of their genius had proved insufficient to enlighten the understanding of the barnford tailor bob's coat was sent home when too late for alterations at least half an inch too long while davy's waistcoat was as much too short the young ladies gowns pleased better and the children were charmed with their respective suits and sashes as for miss bell she was like some bright planet the centre of its own system round which all inferior orbs revolve she it was to whom all must look for bride cake and gloves and favours and all such minor consolations as fall to the lot of the single on such occasions but no one's cup however it may froth and mantle is ever full even to the overflowing miss bell certainly seemed to foam to the very top but it could still have held a little more many were the wedding presents she had received from kindred and friends according to their various means till her chamber might have vied with the shrine of some patron saint but amidst all the votive offerings there was none from uncle adam although she had settled in her own mind that uncle adam could not possibly avoid presenting her with something very handsome whether in plate jewels or specie and her only doubt was which of the three she would prefer however time wore on and uncle adam was only to be seen in his usual attitude with his hands in his pockets as if strictly guarding his money and with a face of the most hopeless sourness miss bell notwithstanding still kept up under the expectation that uncle adam would surprise her in his own rough queer way some day when she was not thinking of it when that day would be it would have been difficult to say as there was no day in which she was not fully prepared for the surprise end of section twenty eight